1: Hello, welcome back to One's Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Nice to have your company for the next 60 minutes or so. I'm David Gosh. This is the call where we analyse ten stocks that you, as viewers, have sent into us. I put them to an expert panel, and uh, today one of my favourite panels, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial, is with us. Uh, Michael, how are you, sir?
2: I'm well, I'm well. A, a bit sad that we're going into lockdown for another week, but we'll survive.
1: <laughs> that's right. So that's why we're, we're doing everything remotely here on AusBiz at the moment because of the uh, of the lockdown rules in New South Wales. Andrew Page from Strawman, uh, likewise, is with us. Andrew, how are you? Coping with lockdown? Yeah. Look, I've got to be honest with you, for
0: someone like me, it's not a huge change. Um, And the silver lining is that we can do the call in our UGG boots. So it's it's not all bad.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Now, is that a bow as in a bow and arrow behind you in your room? It, it is, but
0: it's nothing fancy. It's a kids' toy that shoots rubber uh, oh, with little right. suction things. Okay. So don't, yeah, you know, don't, don't mistake me for any modern-day Robin Hood.
1: Yeah, well, I, I thought you could have been into um, in a medieval club or something like that. <laughs> and we get a, another inside your character. <laughs> I am a massive nerd, but I, I, I fall just short of that, of that line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only just. just. Um, great to have you both aboard, as I say. One of my favourite teams here. Um, now, fellas, like I've been doing all week, I've been putting to our experts, um, if they could choose one stock that would change their life or could change your life, over the next five years, what would it be? Now, I've, I've been very open about this. I, I stole this idea from uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today because uh, we—he was on the panel last week and Archer Materials, that's right, came up as one of our stocks to review. Archer Materials is a quantum computing company, and uh, Henry was telling us that they had a did a bit of a competition within the Marcus Today crew. Uh, where they each had to choose a stock that they reckon could change your life. And um, his was Archer Materials. And I thought, that's a really interesting idea to make people think. Uh, A stock that could change your life financially over the next five years. So I thought, I'll steal the idea. I did say to him, that's a great idea, I'll steal it. And put to our expert panels over the next two weeks. Um, so, Michael, what have you come up with? A, a stock that could change your life? Now, obviously, you know, many of them are at the higher risk end of the, the scale. But, you know, that's the beauty of it. Michael, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit
2: controversial, this one, because often when you put on a pedestal your number one pick, uh, that pick probably does the worst out of all your picks. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> But uh, in the spirit of this, um, uh, the company that we're looking at for the the one that's going to change your life is Alcidian Group. Um, And I've got to give Andrew credit here. We're probably on the call over a year ago now, uh, and this one came up. And we had clients in it over the last 6, 12 months or so, and it's been an incredible performer. But we do think they're doing some good things. Uh, Basically, it's a bit of a hybrid between a healthcare company and a tech company. um, Provides some software or a platform which allows hospitals uh, around the world, mainly in the UK, New Zealand, and Australia, to do things like um, monitor patient data a bit better. It helps also with things like bed rotation. It allows the staff at these different clinics and hospitals to better communicate with each other. So it's basically modernizing the old clipboard at the end of the bed, uh, which improves hospital efficiencies and patient outcomes. Uh, They're doing a lot of good work at the moment in terms of winning new contracts because the business is still quite small. Every new contract has a fairly material outcome on the business and the business valuation. Um, So that's the business that we think that can potentially change your life. Maybe not in the next, you know, one or two years, but if you keep holding it and, and then they keep delivering over three, four, five years, it could be a lot higher than where it is today. But typically we focus, you know, ASX 300. It might take a bit of time, but if we can identify... CSLs early on and, and Commonwealth yeah. Banks, you know, twenty, twenty-five years ago. These stocks over time can certainly change your life. Yeah. But our city is a bit of a higher risk, smaller play, but one that we think has some legs.
1: Yeah, nice one. All right. Um, Andrew, what have you chosen? The stock that could change your life? Yeah, I just really got to
2: say
0: it's, it is a great theme. Although you know, this is a game that you have to go to the risky end of the spectrum because sure. you know it, it, you just you just have to. And by nature, as we've often talked about on the show, it's it's an area where maybe you only get three or four out of ten right, if that. Yeah. Um, however, that's kind of all you need because these are the companies that when they go well, they go extremely well. And Alcidian, I mean, we we picked it a couple of years ago, actually, before uh, it was it was thirteen cents or something at the time. But that's, that's not, well, it's a little bit to do a victory lap, but the point that I would make on that is it went from 13 to 20, back to 10. And that's what these companies do. Yeah. Um, and in, clearly they do that even when they're successful. So for, for the, you need to keep that in mind that you, you, you are gonna be in for a lumpy ride even when the underlying business um, succeeds. So just to, to um, stay with Michael's theme here, we're going to stay in the, in the med tech space with a company that's called Ozco. Uh, this is AHC. Uh, it was formerly known as Azure. and I've got to give credit here to Luke Winchester, who actually popped this on the Strawman uh, uh, platform just recently, and it prompted me to have a look. I mean, when Luke says something's worth a closer look, uh, I definitely pay attention. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. delivered from, a 60- from
1: Oracle, is Oracle Investment right. Management in uh, in Newcastle?
0: He's a great investor. He, look on Strongman; he's got a his profile's up 66% per annum over the last three years. So you know he knows ah. what he's talking about. And um, so it, it prompted me to have a look, and I liked what I saw. So these guys do nurse call systems for hospitals, for aged care homes. Um, that chart looks as though something's a bit funny. It is. It is an illiquid. Uh, company, but perhaps not that illiquid. Anyway, right. um, uh, so, yeah, think of the button next to your hospital bed, although these days it's a lot more uh, advanced than that. And this company's been undergoing a bit of a transition, focusing more on the higher ma- margin software uh, part of their business, moving away from the lower margin hardware. They've now fully outsourced their manufacturing, so it's a much more efficient operations. They've actually been winning lots of uh, sales, but the 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 business took a bit of a knock during COVID because they couldn't get into nursing homes, they couldn't get into hospitals to implement the 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 um the technology that they'd already sold. So they've actually got this big pipeline that they've got to install, um, and importantly, they've got this massive order book that they've been um, building out recently as well. So hey, this is a this is a profitable company. They make about three million dollars in profit, no debt, six million dollars in cash. Uh, high inside ownership, pretty thinly traded. Um, just the other day, they came out and said that they'd won a big contract with one of the major hospitals in Singapore. And Singapore, for those that don't know, is probably one of the the top three uh, leading healthcare systems in the world. Um, they are. That's that's basically where the rich and famous in the region go when they need they need
1: good healthcare. Right. Um, uh, the so crazy this is, rich Asian families. Seriously, <laughs> I mean,
0: you, you're going to go. You're going to go to where the best healthcare is, and so that's. And these 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 kinds of networks don't mm-hmm. make decisions lightly. So I think they've got a big uh, a lot of uh, potential here if they can start uh, deliver, implementing these All solutions, right. continuing to win. There's there's a lot of
1: upside. All right, two great stocks so far this week. Uh, we've had Ordinate and IGO uh, Editas, a um, an American listed genome sequencing business from Mark Morland. Uh, Julia Lee has had uh, the Hydrogen Group, Hazer, and uh, we'll add Osco and Alcidian today. And we'll keep, I thought we'd check in on them every six months over the next couple of years, or just see, as a group, how they're going. All right, let's get into the stocks that you want us to have a look at. And uh, Michael, uh, Chris wants a view on Northern Star Resources. Um, he says it's dropped in price this past few months, but with a UBS price target of 14 bucks, current um, buy price of around 10 seems to be cheap. Being a gold producer, among other resources, uh, is it a decent long-term portfolio um, uh, buy? Northern Star Resources would be in that that upper tier of gold miners, wouldn't it, Michael?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they've recently acquired or merged with Saracen as well, which has created a, another sort of major gold producer in Australia, second now only to Northern, um, to Newcrest Mining. Sorry, um, Northern Star is probably a lot higher quality and it is one of the gold companies that we like. Essentially, we like Evolution, Northern Star and Silver Lake Resources. Uh, Northern Star's got some very, very high grades. Um, their costs of production are probably higher, a fair bit higher than Evolution Mining, which does make them slightly more leveraged to a rising gold price, but also a falling gold price. Um, Looking at the chart there, you can see that it has come back a fair way from the lofty levels uh, towards the end of last year, which is probably a a good thing if you're looking to pick up a company like this. But ultimately, you do have to have a view on the outlook for gold. And and if gold does do well, you'd expect Northern Star to do well. But what we've seen in in recent times is the gold price has been fairly stable, but the gold producers have come back a long way. Um, One of the factors to do with that is the rising Australian dollar. Um, also, costs have been going up across the the entire mining sector. You know, if you're a gold company, all of a sudden you're competing for, for talent, for resources, um, with the likes of the iron ore producers and, and copper producers, et cetera. So it, it is creating a, some cost pressures in that space. Um, at the moment, we're a little bit torn on the direction of gold. I mean, gold's hard enough to pick at the best of times, but on one hand, if you do get inflation, many people believe that that is a positive for gold. Um, however, different inflation environments create different scenarios for gold. And also you've got to keep in mind that with interest rates and bond yields more specifically so low, if bond yields do start to pick up at an incredible pace because inflation is rising out of control, then what you'll see I think is gold continue to come under a bit of pressure because as bond yields increase, um, it makes treasuries a bit more competitive relative to gold for that safe haven status. So. From mine, we do like Northern Star. Now we're happy to probably pick it up as a gold exposure in the portfolio. Um, But from a medium to longer term perspective, I think the outlook's a little bit uncertain.
1: Okay, so would you be buying at these levels? I'm a holder at these levels. Okay, Andrew?
0: Yeah, I mean, Michael's dead right. It's, it's all about what the gold price is going to do. So, you know, you, in terms of what UBS's price target is about and how they've formulated that, well, Chris, you'll need to you need to ask them. Um, but like any forecast, it'll be predicated on a bunch of assumptions and a bunch of forecasts. And a very major one on that is going to be the gold price. So um, you start mucking around with some assumptions here and you'll see just how radically these things can, can change around. Um, so, look... I agree. Gold isn't my bag, but but if, if it was, this would be one of the ones that I would definitely go for. It's a profitable business. They actually produce. Um, they've got some really high-grade uh, uh, deposits, as Michael said, but they're actually targeting about 2 million ounces per annum, and they're hoping to reach that in the next six to seven years. That's about 25% more than what they're they're doing at the moment. Um, so I just did it very basically. I said, okay, well, let's say they pull two million ounces out of the ground in another seven years' time, and let's say the gold price is the same, and there's no changes in the currency. So already there's a bunch of assumptions there, but let's let's go with it. That's 4.7 billion dollars in sales compared to probably what's around three and a half billion dollars in sales for this year. So you know something is probably equate to sort of an upper single digit kind of growth rate. Now. On top of that, you've got a factory, and what a what a capex costs going to be, what are op- operating costs going to be, and everything else, uh, to work that all out, and you say, well, is is the current price reflective of that? And for me, it's not, because um, because of all of that uncertainty, I don't think you know the smartest person in the world is not going to be able to forecast any one of those things accurately, let alone all of them. So it just it's just something that I I tend to stay away from. All of that being said. If you did want gold, this you could do far worse than, than, uh, than these guys.
1: Okay. All right. So a note from you on on Northern Star. Um, Nick wants a view, Andrew, on Poseidon Nickel. Now, when I saw this, I thought, no, not Poseidon. <laughs> I was only a kid at the time. Um, you, you reckon buy now, pay later has been hot. <laughs> How about this? I went back through the history books. Poseidon went up, it ended up in receivership in 1974, but it went from 80 cents in September 1969 to $280 in February 1970. So in six months, it went from 80 cents to $280 and then went into receivership in 1974. Massive nickel boom at the time. They had all sorts of inquiries. Insider trading was not illegal back then. So there's a lot of ramping up of the share price. Oh, man, This is not that company, but it's still a nickel explorer. <laughs> they ended up selling out to Western Mining, but uh, uh, it's a, uh, pretty cheap at the moment at Explorer. What do you think, uh, Andrew, Poseidon?
0: I'm glad you retold that story. It's such a classic one. It's the Australian yep. um, version of the Chulip Mania, really, yeah, isn't exactly. it? A- is is phenomenal and i i do think it was an odd choice of name for the company given the history and the association yeah. but maybe there's a good reason for it um look i i, I again it's not my space um but i i, I did uh, have a little bit of a look at it never made any sales share growth uh, of about threefold in three years i mean when you're not making any money the only way you stay afloat is by issuing new shares to to investors Um, You know, it's the same old story. When you open up the presentations here, it's like, oh, we've got all of these, what we think is really um, high quality deposits. Uh, We just need to develop them and sell it. And then we're all going to make a million dollars. And maybe they will. So I don't mean to be too cynical here. But again, any student of history, when you look at these, statistically, the odds are very, very much against you. Um, It's just a very, very tough business. And even if you do manage to jump through every single one of those hoops and you do finally get to production, you've got no idea what your product is going to be worth. At that point in time, yep. um, And we we know that any any like anyone who's done a renovation or anyone who's built a house know that it's always over time. It's always over budget. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same when you're building big big mining <laughs> projects as well. Always, always the case. So they've got 15 million dollars in the bank. They're burning through about two and a half million dollars, give or take there a quarter. You know. So th- th- this is this is super speculative stuff. So what I would say to, to Nick here is is that look, if they do manage to get to production the price is high they run a very tight ship in terms of of, of their cost discipline yeah you'll probably do really really well um, but if any of that doesn't go to plan you'll probably lose a lot of money and statistically speaking that's probably the more
2: likely outcome so for me it's it's a pass yes.
1: okay michael
2: yeah echo a lot of andrew's points there um, this particular business they do seem to have pretty good resources um near kalgoorlie so they've got three projects about 400 1,000 tonnes of nickel in, in the ground at the moment, about 200,000 tonnes of gold. Uh, the company do state that they're expecting to be in production by next year, yeah, so 2022, just around the corner. So look, as an investor in this, you're probably hoping that they do get to that production target and the company then kicks in with a bit of an inflection point as they turn from an explorer into a producer. Uh, my understanding as well is that they might have one or two of those assets that have been previously nickel mines in the past. Uh, so it's a matter of just getting those mines going again um, now that nickel prices rallied so hard in, in recent times. Um, the costs of production are meant to be fairly low for this project, given the region is quite um, is quite good for mining um, and quite easy in, in that respect. It's still there's an enormous amount of risk with a an explorer like this. Um, there's all different variables that could go wrong. Um, so for that reason, it's in the very, very high risk basket for mine and one that I would steer clear of just because, again, it's not really my space. It's probably one of those companies for a trained geologist who really knows the nitty gritty of these sorts of things. So. Yeah, I think it's probably too complex with too many variables at this stage. If the nickel price does hold up at this level for an extended period of time and they do deliver on production, then I'm sure it'll turn out to be a good outcome for the company. But there's obviously a big question mark and a big if as to whether that will be the case.
1: Sure. Okay. All right. Uh, Michael James wants a view on Best on uh, Global uh, Food Company, uh, Australian company involved in. Dairy, seafood, wine also has some um, trying to commercialise some technology on uh, to end food traceability and anti-counterfeiting technology in the food business. Um, What do you think of Beston? Share price had a bit of a blip up over um, over the last couple of months, has it?
2: Yeah, look, I must admit it's not one I've ever looked into in too much detail, but it is trying to be one of these clean food type companies Um, they've got a whole suite of different products uh, mainly sort of in the dairy space Uh, they're also looking to build out their product offering including different types of ph water etc but it's a a company that has been doing it pretty tough in in recent times they do blame COVID as one of those big reasons Um, losses on unprocessed milk sales as well so the company is running at a bit of a loss at the moment they are looking to build up their knowledge about the technology associated with lactofe, lactoferrin which is which is the which is one of the big key inputs in breast milk for instance, looking to enhance some of those dairy products uh, with better quality milk but look as you can see from that chart it has been doing it pretty tough and there's nothing really to give me too much confidence that they're going to turn around uh, that negative trend anytime mm. soon. So okay. for mine I'll be looking to give this one a, a miss. Yeah. Um, certainly you want to see, all those key numbers start to pick up before taking a serious look at it.
0: Okay. Andrew? Yep. Me and Michael are going to be in agreement again. Um, with a lot of small caps on the show today, which is yeah. interesting. So it's, had, it's, it's it's kept us busy this morning, I'm sure, like uh, trying to, to uh, uh, brush up on these things. $120 million market cap, only a handful of trades so far through today. So bear that in mind. So they also do mozzarella uh, and whey powder and all of these kinds of things. Also getting into a bit of meat uh, but the company was also doing lobster at one stage, and they sort of transitioned out of that. They've been uh, trying to sort of um, uh, deal with a few operational issues. This just goes to the the difficulty of these kinds of businesses. They operate in what you, I think it's fair to sort of say, a largely a commodity kind of market, one that's pretty capital intensive. You need a lot of sort of factories and equipment and stuff to sort of do all of this stuff. Uh, you're You're operating in a market that's hyper competitive. It's a global market. Uh, So very, very, very tough. There's a bit of debt on on the books there as well, as far as I can see. Um, And it's just it's just really hard to I mean, where the businesses that succeed tend to succeed because they have just incredibly efficient operations. So there's no sort of structural competitive advantage that's there. Uh, Sometimes maybe you get a bit of a scale advantage, but that's really about it. So you just it relies on the brilliance of management and uh, the team team at the company, which is a very hard thing for an outsider to judge, uh, particularly when the business doesn't have much of a track record of, of delivering there as well. So it's just, it's one of these things that I'm, I'm sure people who know this company far better than we do probably realize that, oh, you know, screaming at the TV saying, you're missing some, some key points here. But I think as an investor, you've really got to stay within your circle of competence. I think you've really got to be hyper selective and just just yep. focus on the very best of the best. So I'm not saying it's a terrible company. It's it's probably got it's probably got a, a decent future. But does it have the do I have the same kind of conviction I do with other companies that are out there? And the answer is a hard no. So for me, it's right. it's a pass.
1: OK, um, Joe, Andrew wants a view on uh, Joyce Corporation, which is the uh, the retail bidding group. Um, they um, have gotten the brand of the bedshed franchising retail bidding stores. And retail kitchen stores
0: yeah so it's an interesting one we we're talking about small caps uh, this is very small very illiquid I just had a look on uh, my broker account then literally one trade has occurred today of about $5,000 worth so you know if, if you're gonna get involved with this company you, you you really do need to be there for the long term because it's gonna be hard to um, to get out and um, Uh, So yeah, so I've actually been a a customer of these guys. They also do Kitchen Connection as well. Mm. So ages ago, we did our kitchen uh, back when I owned a house. Um, uh, They were very good. Um, And they look as though they had a bit of a slump uh, eight to nine years ago. The last five years, they've seen a bit of a, a recovery. In fact, their per share earnings up about 60 odd percent in the last three years. And for a business that seems to be getting some pretty good growth there, the PE is only about 15 and you're getting a dividend there of almost 4% as well. Mm. Fully franked, I think, as well. So that's that's not terrible. Um, recently, they've come out and said that trading conditions have been really strong. And we know that actually the economy is doing really well and people can't travel and do a lot of things. So a lot of people are, are, are doing their kitchens, they're buying beds, they're spending money on their house, um, uh, which is interesting. In fact, the company's doing so well, They've decided to return JobKeeper. Now, you don't see too many companies that do that. And there's others in the homeware space who we won't mention that are notorious for not doing uh, exactly that, even though they've had incredible years. So I think that's a that's a big tick towards uh, management. I I think the thing to think of here, this is a business that um, probably has a, a look, they've got some decent runs on the board. They've got some expansion opportunities. Uh, They're opening they opened up four new kitchen connection centers in the last year, and they think they can continue to roll out at that pace in the coming years. So the growth is going to come from the expansion of that network and as those stores sort of mature. But the backdrop here is that you want to see favorable economic conditions. I mean, this is the definition of non uh, of of discretionary spending. So if, if things, for whatever reason, do get a little bit wobbly out there in the economy, you're not going to be putting that new kitchen on. You're not going to be buying new uh uh you know beds uh etc so you do need to keep to keep that in mind so again looks like a perfectly decent company but too illiquid not in the space that i like i think there's better opportunities out, out okay. elsewhere
1: um michael what do you think just on that economic view i, I was interested in scuddy's view on the uh, uh the close of business newsletter, that uh, where I, I think he really picked up coming out of the reserve bank board meeting yesterday Saying the Reserve Bank is prepared to run this economy hot for longer than the Reserve Bank has ever done it before. Uh, still sticking to this view, no interest rate rise till uh, 2024. Um, jobs, uh, wage growth has got to be three percent. Unemployment down to four percent or the high threes. They are they are prepared to to really push and inflate a really healthy economy for a long time which has got to feed into housing prices and and people's wealth
2: well that's it and also the retail space you know if more people are yeah. employed and are making good money then they're going to go out and, and spend, spend it, it particularly yeah. if their if their mortgage rates to remain very very low people will have some excess cash to spend and, and joyce is one of those companies that has been a beneficiary of the the stimulus that's been flowing through the system um, they've made The most of it by looking at their balance sheet, they seem to have a pretty okay balance sheet. Revenue has been pretty stable, but the business has become more efficient. Cash cash flow generation has been very, very good. Margins have been expanding. Uh, They have taken on a bit more debt in in recent times um, as they look to fund their expansion. So there's a bit of a a roll up expansion strategy at play here. um, And that Can often be a great way to grow as long as it's controlled and done in an effective way whereby you're not just expanding for the sake of it. And I do think they have the capacity to expand. The fact is that this business, um, although it has the bed and the kitchens business, has a fair bit of property relative to the size of the, the market cap. So that property, you would think is fairly stable, the property, plant, equipment, that sort of thing. Uh, gives you good borrowing capacity. And that's probably what they're looking to use at the moment to fund their expansion. So not a bad business at all. It's probably on the smaller side, too illiquid to buy into. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it is majority founder owned or, or by owned by a family, just given the conservative way that the business is run and looking at the dividends and things like that. I'd have to go away and double check that. But it is. it reminds me of an old school sort of family run company um, that is growing in a conservative manner and in a way that they can fund um, pretty easily as well. But normally with these types of companies, often they spin out the property or, or they sell off the property so that they can help um, free up those assets to drive expansion even quicker. But in this case, I think they're doing it in a pretty, pretty controlled manner. Mm. So not a bad quality small cap uh, at all. If you held it, I'll happily hold it. If you're going to buy in, um, it's going to be pretty difficult to get in it with any certain size.
1: Yeah. I know, and that, that's a problem. Uh, a lot of the experts have dubbed the, this as a lobster pot. Uh, easy to get in, hard to get out because uh, it's so illiquid that the movement in share price is really sensitive to people getting in and out. That's it. Um, Michael, uh, Joe wants a view on Smart Group, the uh, salary packaging software group um, with a lot of um, basically into, and fleet management um, a lot of state and federal government departments and um, and big corporates are customers of, of Smart Group?
2: Yeah, so basically recently they signed up over 8,000 workers from the healthcare industry. Um, so that's the type of sort of area that they target, those big different parts of government organisations. Um, and effectively the... The, car, the, the new car market is a big impact on their overall business and demand for new cars has been pretty good. But the supply out there has been fairly short, which has actually limited their ability to, to grow too quickly in recent times. Um, they gave an update to the market just the other day and they're expecting um, sales and earnings for the last six months to basically be in line with the last six months of last year. So they've managed to get through a challenging period during COVID, but they haven't been able necessarily to spring back to life just yet in terms of the the business operations. But they do have a pretty good business in place, a pretty good foothold in the industry. There is, however, question marks over um, the long term regulatory issues that might, might face a company like this. Going back a while now to the Gillard government, they looked at changing. Um, and putting regulations into this part of the industry uh, into Novated leasing, et cetera, what was allowed to be a tax deduction, what wasn't. And that seriously crippled there for a while the likes of Macmillan Shakespeare, which is a similar company in a similar space. Um, but Smart Group, they've got a pretty good balance sheet. They're well capitalised. It does put them in a good position to acquire any businesses that they see fit and see as adding some decent value to the company. But from my point of view, that regulatory overhang is something to keep an eye on. Um, And it's also probably not the the cleanest business when it comes to the balance sheet at Mm, the moment.
1: Okay, Andrew?
2: So give it
1: a
0: a miss. I'll keep it short because Michael's covered it really, really well. Um, just any business that, that could um, cease to exist through the stroke of a pen, if the government decides that uh, it's it's um, it's not going to allow what's essentially a bit of a tax loophole, maybe I'm being a bit too cynical there, but um, uh, the government has threatened to do that, well, a past government, but governments have threatened to do that in the past. They could well decide to do that again. Having said that, it's a very well-run company. They've got some pretty good ambitions. They're hoping to lift their EBITDA, their operating profit, by about 25 Five, or sorry 20 percent over the next three years or so and look there's a company that's on a, offering a five percent yield and a, and a p of about 15 or so I think so look if you can deliver that kind of growth then this is this is probably a screaming bargain but but for my money for, for the reasons that Michael said it's a pass
1: right okay all right let's just recap uh, our first five stocks uh, our stocks that would change your life Osco and Alcidian Uh, Northern Star, which was in the call's portfolio, now goes out because we've got a a hold from Michael and a no from Andrew. Uh, Poseidon Nickel, a no from both. Best on uh, Global Food, a no. Uh, Joyce Corp a hold from Michael, a no from Andrew. And Smart Group, a no from both. Here on the call, um, we have our own fantasy portfolio. We've been following since the 1st of July last year. Thanks to our partner, NAB Trade. Any stocks that get unanimous approval from the panel go in. If it comes up again like Northern Star has and doesn't get unanimous approval from um, that particular panel, it goes out. Uh, Over the last week, uh, we're pretty flat. uh, For the month, up almost 1.5%. And since the 1st of July last year, up 34.5%. Some of the stocks recently added um, Australia by our expert panels, Australian Pharmaceutical, Eclipse Group, Link Administration, Life360 and Hub24. Some of the stocks removed, Dragontail system uh, because it's been taken over, Unity Group, Codan, and now Northern Star. If you want to take a look at all the stocks in the portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And joining us a bit later today is Executive Director of Ascari Metals. Gino Diana, the company lists uh, today following a five and three-quarter million dollar raise, as it looks to immediately commence a drilling program. Uh, Gino is uh, with the team at 1:10 p.m. All right, let's uh, take a look at uh, our six stock. Uh, Robert wants a view. Andrew on Universal Store. This is a specialty retailer. Into the youth uh, market, youth apparel market, 65 physical stores around Australia, growing online sales as well. Um, Universal Store, one of the best-performing stocks of the last financial year, in the in the top 10. I think, Andrew. Did what? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's, um, look, it's it's one of these companies that's really resonated with their target market. Um, I am not a customer. If you've ever seen me uh, dress, um, it's probably not a great great surprise. Yeah,
1: you're um, more
0: best than less. <laughs> very much best than less. Yes. <laughs> um, look, I'm a value investor at heart, Kashi. So I don't right. I don't spend a yeah, lot yeah. of money on on clothes or anything. Um, but yeah, look, that, they're They've they've got a brand that seems to resonate. This is all about a a, a store rollout. So they've doubled the number of uh, physical stores that they've had in the last five years or so, and they will continue to do that. So that's that's the growth engine here. But What's interesting uh, with that as well, having a quick look at their deck, is that not only are there more stores, but as these stores mature, you can imagine that when you open up a store, like day one, it's it's okay, but you know day thirty, day sixty, day three hundred and sixty five, as they mature. Uh, and they, they bed down operations and people in the local area get to know them, they, 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 they do see that like-for-like sort of sales uh, number grow. So you've got an expanding network, but also a maturing network as well. And that is evidenced in their like-for-like sales growth, which actually been phenomenal um, yeah. over time as well. So uh, growing really strongly, the P is 26. But that's, look, in, in today's market, um, given that growth, that's not uh, very expensive. The thing that I would note here is that this is, very, very competitive, this space. And, and consumers are incredibly fickle when it comes to uh, to retailing of, of apparel. So what's trendy yeah. and cool this year could be dead next year. And we, we see that all of the time. So although incredibly well-run business, it looks as, I mean, they're up against general pants, they're up against glue, they're up against the iconic, they're up against some really, yeah. really savvy uh, Glo-
1: Globe is the other big one is uh, in this space, which is the, skateboarding and skatewear, if you like, yep. niche of that yep. youth apparel market.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and look, and, and actually, all, all of them are actually doing pretty well. So as a category, doing really it's well. It to, yeah, it seems to be doing really well. But it, it's it's just one of those things where one of the things I always try to look for in a business is where's your competitive edge? What is it that you're doing that competitors are going to find it yep. a bit difficult to sort of eat, eat a little bit of your lunch? And Again, it comes down to with these companies, it comes down to a whole bunch of operational efficiencies, and then the brand around that. Um, being a relatively new uh, player on the scene, I, it, we just really don't know how how, endu- sure. how much endurance that brand has. So, for all of those reasons, I think it's very very interesting company, very well well run. I wish them luck, but again, I, I'm a hard I'm a hard man to please, so it's a pass yeah, yeah. for
1: me. Sure, uh, Michael.
2: Yeah, look, it's a a new listing that's done very well for those that managed to get in at the IPO. Um, As it turned out, last year was a a pretty good year for them to list. Um, A lot of these retailers with a good omni-channel online presence um, have benefited immensely from from that period. Um, The question is, how is the market going to treat these businesses um, come this reporting season once the sales numbers start to normalise, whether that's this reporting season or reporting seasons in the future? So they've got a lot of work to do to be able to maintain and sustain these great levels that they've built themselves up to. Um, The fact is that I think they'll continue to target the online and try and build up that part of the business. Their website, I had a quick look before we came on the show, looks quite good. And not too dissimilar from the Iconic or Mr. Porter or any of those other competitors out there. Um, But like Andrew, I do have a serious question that needs to be answered is how does this company have any sustainable long-term competitive advantage over another type of of similar company? Um, And there's been many out there that have been doing very, very well. But I think long-term, it might become a survival of the fittest. And will this company be amongst those? It's probably way too early to say. But they've done a very good job in building the company up to this point. They've made the most of a, a tough, challenging COVID environment. Um, But I think you've got to sort of look forward and and determine whether or not they're going to be able to maintain the growth trajectory that they're on and how will the market react if things do start to peter out to pre-pandemic levels. So for mine, it's a no-go at these levels, given the run-up.
1: All right. Andrew, Johnny, wants your view on integrated research and Michael as well. Johnny says, I'd love to hear Andrew Page's views on integrative research. So he's really <laughs> targeting you on this one, Pagey. As a long-term shareholder, I'm beginning to really question my thesis, wondering how a company with such critical software to some of the biggest businesses in the world is struggling at a time when you'd think they'd need it the most. And, of course, Integrated research is a big software uh, company um, uh, delivering mission-critical um, software to um, and and platforms to um, really the big end of town. It's uh, across sixty countries, uh, including the US, UK, Germany, Singapore, and Australia. Uh, Andrew, Integrative Research.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm with you, Johnny. I'm really starting to question my thesis too. So I've I've, I've got a lot of notes on this on Strawman. So that's where I'll direct you if you want to dig into it a little bit. Yeah. But a little bit of history here. So these guys do mission critical software. Uh, for very big enterprises. So they've got 125 or something of of the Fortune 500 companies. So they basically, these these enterprises are so big, they've got huge numbers of different systems, often legacy, older, clunkier systems. And this this software that they've got, the core software they've got is called Prognosis, which just monitors everything to make sure that if anything goes down, that they're on it and they can fix it and they can preempt it. So absolutely mission critical software. This is a business that goes back to nineteen eighty-eight and over its time it has delivered the most incredible wealth. You're not gonna get a sense of it from these charts here, but between even between 2010 and 2020, shares were up a thousand percent, up tenfold. And they did this while delivering a return on equity of thirty percent. They're super profitable, ninety-five percent recurring revenue. You know, uh, net. Mu- Here's always a sign. If you're if you're curious as to whether a company has a moat or not, have a look at its net margins. What does it after tax, after cost, after everything? What does it keep from its sales? These guys have consistently, until recently, been getting about twenty percent. So there, there is something really special with this business. And when it started to sort of fall from grace and they had a tough period over COVID, I thought, hey, this is a great, this is a, a company with incredible pedigree. Um, and I've actually held it for years and years and years and years. Um, and I thought this is a, a good opportunity. But... What has changed? Well, these days we have um, software to corporations. Even very big corporations is a, is a lot more bespoke in in the sense that it's we're we're using Zoom and we're using these kinds of products. Yep. So they're cloud products. They're, they're SaaS products. They are they have a lot of this internal diagnostic, um, uh, uh, prognostic software embedded in them. So when you when you get away from these clunky old world systems, is there offering as relevant as it used to be? Ah. That's the million dollar question. Now, these changes here are going to be very slow. So they're not, even if they do lose relevance, it's not going to happen overnight. I would argue that shares are probably on the cheaper end of things at at this point in time, even if you take a pretty dim view of the growth outlook, even if they just get back to where they were pre-covid you could probably make the case uh the, the case for value in fact they just came out recently and said the second half has shown a significant improvement on the first but that's the million dollar question if i was confident i'd be backing up the truck at these levels but hand on heart i'm not confident of oh. it because well it, it it's a lot of a lot of a lot of times when you're looking at a particular company you might have first hand experience with their product i am not a fortune 500 company at right. least not yet so i don't i don't have any first hand experience and the scuttlebutt that i hear amongst the people that sort of do like the ctos and stuff that do run this is that yeah you can't live without this kind of stuff but it is becoming a little bit less relevant than it has in the past and so okay. as as the offerings that these enterprises use become more robust more self-reliant is that something that is is going to be as necessary? Now, this is a business that spends twenty percent of its of its sales on R and D, and always has. It's now into payments. It's now into all kinds of things. It does actually monitor things like Skype calls and all other kind of stuff. So the argument could well be here is a very experienced management team that are that are well aware of the challenges and investing okay. heavily into the all future. Right.
1: So I could go on. I You've know. You've gone either side of the fence. Get off the fence, so you're not backing the truck up. No, I'm, I'm I'm not selling my
0: shares either. So I'm holding just because I think that the the, the market's okay. gotten a bit carried away. But I'm I'm not I'm not buying. So you're a hold,
1: Michael. Oh. Are you going to back the truck up? It's, it looks as though it's going. <laughs> it's a what around a dollar fifty. It's testing five-year lows. So it's not not far off that.
2: Yeah, So this is a business that was one of the first companies I, I invested in from when I started working over ten years ago, and. It, This was probably one of the original Australian tech businesses, maybe along with technology one. And integrated research had one of the best balance sheets you would have ever seen. Every year you had growing revenues, you had growing earnings, growing margins um, they had high return on equity. It was pretty much the perfect company. But going back a couple of years, um, I ended up selling out if only I would put more in or had more money to put in when I first invested. But it did very, very well. Um. The fact is, they had a lot of management turnover going back a couple of years. Uh, the European business started to really hit some hurdles, and at that point, I just thought it was time to move on because there was the emergence of all these new effervescent tech companies. So, yeah. when you look at IRI in the tech space, its earnings are down to about four to seven million next year, down from about twenty. So when you're looking at the tech space and all these great tech companies with great economics are growing earnings at 20, 30, 40 percent. It was just a matter of there being a lot better alternatives elsewhere in the tech space. Granted, many of those businesses were on much higher multiples and looked more expensive. But the momentum in the underlying company was a lot better. Um, look, IRI, I think over time can probably recover somewhat. But I think the glory days of four dollars to you know, mm-hmm. above four dollars are probably behind us at least for the foreseeable okay. future. Um, they get 95% of their customers renew, You know, every time their subscription comes up, 80% or 85% recurring revenue. So there's still a lot of good qualities about this company, but in this day and age, with so many other tech alternatives and, and more mature business in IRI, you just think there's better alternatives elsewhere.
1: Okay, all right, interesting. Uh, now, Michael, Nathan wants a view on PKS Holdings. Um, Nathan says, "Can I get the expert's view?" Uh, it's in clinical decisions report in hospitals and healthcare companies. It, on reading it, it almost seemed like a, a little baby or or mini Alcidian. Uh, it's got a system called Ripple Down, um, which has um, helped multiple departments within. A clinical organization to audit and work with data in real time um data entry billing pathology labs the whole thing um i couldn't help but thinking you know it was andrew's yeah. um, sort of stock that could change your life and i was thinking is this a mini version <laughs>
2: Yeah, so so um, it's similar to Alcidion. Out of all the ones on the list, the new small caps that came across today um, in this list, this was probably the one that piqued my interest the most, and it's cool. definitely one I'm going to go away and have a good look at. Um, it's probably a bit different to Alcidian in that it's really just an auditing an software, which allows... Right. Clinicians and doctors, etc., to make sure that there's no human error in their spreadsheets and a lot of the data input and decision and it helps improve decision-making process off the back of that. If all the data is accurate and a lot of the potential uh, errors have been um, identified, but when you've got when you've got key figures like 30% owned by management and the board, um, you've got recurring revenue targets of 50 million dollars, you've got client retention rates of over 99%. They're all things that you look for in companies, and, and off the back of that, it's certainly one I'll be looking to do a little bit more research and due diligence on. So at the moment, I'll, I'll have it as a hold uh, with a view to keeping it as a buy or making it a buy down the track once I've had a bit of a chance to read over okay. in, a, in a bit more detail. But in the healthcare tech space, it's certainly an area where there's a lot of good companies popping up.
1: Yeah. Andrew?
0: Yeah, I'm going to echo all of that. Um, really interesting uh, business here. I mean, where the rubber meets the road here is that anyone can sort of have a quick squeeze at a, at a report and sort of see what management is saying. But I think what separates the great investors from the okay investors is just going that extra that extra yard. And so, I uh, put this in a category of of like, will there be a solution? hospitals in terms of clinical decision support software that's just going to be a phenomenally big thing in the future without a doubt i'd bet my left arm on it but what you could also suggest is there's a very hyper competitive space with a lot of money developing products here and there'll be a bit of a, a land grab and a whole bunch of different factors at play so that's the thing that i would want to dig into a little bit but as michael said a 50 million uh annual recurring revenue target that's about nine times the current size um the business has is, is got some really good traction, high inside ownership. Uh, it is on 12 times sales, you know, so you, the market does sort of seem to recognize the, the potential that is here. But if I get a sense that this is one of the leading uh, offerings out there in the market and there's likely a good chance of some strong continuing momentum in sales, I think this is probably a very exciting opportunity. So on my watch list for sure. But
1: for the moment, it's a hold. OK. All right. Guys will do more work into it. Um, Andrew, what about Field Solutions? Sam wants a view on that. Uh, Basically a a telco but focused on the regional area, uh, regional parts of of Australia um, developing broadband businesses.
0: Yeah, so um, very much uh, in the regional area. So just yep. uh, ISP and Ant Communications, I believe, are the brands that they operate through. Sales have actually grown really well in the last few years. Um, unfortunately, the, the share count has increased quite a lot as well. And while their sales have been growing, their costs have been growing a lot. So it's not really done any favors for uh, shareholders at the moment. Um, they won a big uh, twenty million dollar funding grant from the federal government to help with regional connectivity, uh, which is definitely uh, great news. But they're still building out these networks—a very, again, capital-intensive sort of uh, operation—and um, uh, the margins in this space don't aren't typically uh, phenomenal. And and you know there are they are. Um, there are other networks uh, that are out there, the NBN most notably, but of course these guys are at least focusing on a niche where they feel as though they've got an edge. It's interesting that the shares are on about six times sales as well. So again for a, for a business that isn't uh, a high margin software business, that's that's kind of up there. Um, so uh, I, I would need to do a lot more work on it. Um, but for, yeah. yeah, so the, I couldn't I couldn't in good conscience give it
2: a buy at this point in time. Okay. Michael? Um, many of the same reasons as Andrew. Um, it's tr- very expensive for what is normally quite a capital intensive business. They're going to have to execute extremely well in rolling out their network to keep a lid on costs. It does seem that the contracts are coming through. I mean, they've signed an, an about 104 million dollars worth of new contracts a portion of that's recurring revenue but it's no good signing more and more contracts if you're just going to keep spending more and more rolling out the network so you've got to be careful there out of it out of all the tech I'm um, sorry telco companies this is a quite an interesting emerging one obviously the government's got incentive to build out the networks in regional areas um, so there's going to be a lot of grants and money floating around there so if they can access this cheap money um, and put it to good use, then there's probably value to be created. But I would want to see it continue to deliver and probably grow to a a bit of a larger size to show that they can execute um, on all of that.
1: All right. Our final stock, uh, Michael, uh, from Tony is IntelliHR, human resources um, technology platform uh, for businesses. has grown into expanded into the United Kingdom as share prices had a bit of a bump up because uh, the UK seems to be doing pretty well for them.
2: Yeah, so H.R. Cloud based technology, um, similar in some sense to Elmo, which is a much larger player in the space, Um, this particular company is focusing primarily outside of Australia and around all different countries around the world. Bevan Slathery um, recently purchased some and, and that these days is enough to send the share price rocketing for a little bit. So it's on everyone's radar, probably for, for that particular reason, because it is still a very, very small company. Their revenues are 1.3 million, I thought I think it was last year. They do carry a fair bit of debt, which is unusual for a technology company. So they've got 1.3 million in revenues and 2.2 million in debt. Um, so that's a, a pretty large number and something to keep an eye on as well. Um, but It is positioned as a low-cost provider in that HR technology area, which allows um, companies to monitor their staff, um, to to set different target strategies for their employees and monitor how they're tracking in terms of those sorts of goals. But very, very early stage tech business, I'll be steering clear, look at Elmo if you want something in a similar area.
0: Okay, Andrew? Andrew? Yeah, just quickly, I'm, I'm mindful of the time here, but um, look when you when you look at the presentation that the company's putting out, they're really nice. Lots of charts that go bottom left to top right. So lots of customer growth, lots of revenue growth, uh, lots of high proportion of recurring revenue, uh, the lifetime value of existing customers increasing. I think they've got Fujitsu as probably their their big biggest name sort of client that's out there. I, like with PKS, I put it in that basket of will will this be a huge sector in the future without a doubt. Um, are they the ones that are one of the, the winners in that space? That's the thing that you need to look into. So I actually think it's definitely worth a, a very uh, close look. It's on about 15 times its annual recurring revenue at this point in time. Now, very, very low base, so it's not perhaps as, as crazy as it is it otherwise sounds. But you'd want to continue to see that, that uh, sales growth. You want to continue to see that adoption and increasing penetration within existing customers. And that probably bodes very well. So a hold, but one to
1: watch. Okay. All right. Uh, let's just recap the final five. Uh, Stocks Universal um, is a no from Andrew and Michael. It was in the Calls portfolio, Fantasy portfolio, so it now comes out. Integrated Research, a hold from Andrew, a no from Michael. PKS both have put it on their watch list. It's a hold at the moment. They're going to do more work into it. Uh, Field Solutions, a no, and IntelliHR, a hold from Andrew, a no from Michael. Um, if you want something in that space, look at Ilmo. Uh, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Great to see you, mate. Thank you for your time today.
2: Thanks for having me, as always.
1: And Andrew Page from Strawman. Uh, Andrew, you've got some. Um, you've got lots on integrated research, and people want more information. There, go to the uh, the Strawman website, mate. Good to see you. Always uh, fun. Thanks. If you've got any stocks you'd like us to put to the expert panel, put them in an email to call at today or tweet us using the at AusBiz TV handle. Uh, look at all the stocks in the Calls portfolio. You can do that. Go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want to wrap up of everything that's happened in the day in business and the markets and finance, subscribe to the newsletter. You get Scuddy's view, uh, everything in terms of startups link to the close of business podcast also links to the most popular interviews on the platform during the day all of that subscribe at osbiz.co forward slash the cob and uh, if you're looking for small caps um, Stephen wood uh, the portfolio manager on micro cabs at ico uh, iger capital will be uh, joining the team at 110 this afternoon and uh, going to Give you a look at some of the opportunities in that micro cap space. Stephen Wood from Iger Capital coming up very shortly. I've got a dash. More of Osby's straight after this.